turn to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 3 is where we're going to be tonight. We're going to start anyway. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 3. We just got done with some special meetings, and I am, I am sure that uh, the Lord spoke to many hearts. It was, like I said, it was a really good week of meetings. It was one of the best ones we've had in quite some time. Um, but I also know that, of course, the purpose of meetings is to help us to focus on some things and, and uh, to make some decisions. And there were decisions that were made this last week for the Lord. When, whenever we make decisions, there's, there's some surrender uh, that, uh, that goes with it. And, uh, you know, that's really a, a key part of the Christian life. It's deciding uh, as we walk along and as we have things revealed to us and we understand things a little bit more, we see things, uh, we need to surrender some areas of our lives to God. Well, that's exactly what happened with Moses uh, in the latter part of his life. And we'll take a look at how, when, when exactly how old he was when all this took place. But God, God called him to do something. And, um, and he was the one, obviously, that uh, not only led them out of Egypt, led them uh, away from the slavery that was there, but led them out into the wilderness and spent about 40 years out there getting, getting them prepared uh, to go into the promised land. So with that in mind, let's all stand together and look at me in Exodus chapter 3. We'll read the first 10 verses and pray and get right into the message tonight. Exodus chapter 3, verse, verses 1 through 10. And if your neighbor does not have a Bible, allow them to look on with you, if you would. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, uh, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the, the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Ammonites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come up unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto, unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth of my people the children of Israel out of Egypt. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, 
We thank you tonight for your goodness, for your grace, and for your mercy. We thank you most of all for the Lord Jesus Christ and his death on Calvary's cross that, that purchased for us our salvation. And you've made it very clear to us that uh, we can't get saved by, by works, by anything that we can do, but only by the precious blood of Jesus Christ and by trusting and believing in you and you alone, in your death and your burial and your resurrection. And the moment we do that, we receive eternal life. What a blessing that is. That was for, for, for everyone in here who has trusted Christ as Savior, that was the beginning. That was the first surrender. That was the, the first step in the Christian life. And then from then on, there's been surrender after surrender after surrender. And the truth is, Lord, uh, those surrenders and those calls to obedience never quit because we're not sinless people, and we won't be until, until we're in your presence and, uh, and we're changed. And so, Father, uh, help us to, to uh, understand a little bit tonight what happens when we do obey you and when we, when we do say yes and we surrender and make decisions for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Father, give us some understanding tonight and not only uh, what will happen to us, but what will happen for us. And uh, speak to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. At this point in his life, Moses, <clears throat> when he sees the burning bush, he's 80 years old. And God calls him from the burning bush to, to go and to become a leader and to lead his, his people, Israel, out of, out of Egypt and into the wilderness. So what that means is, is that Moses prepared 80 years to serve the Lord for 40 years. Well, then that means that two-thirds of his life was preparation and one-third of his life was service. Um, he didn't, he, he, he didn't begin to fulfill his calling until he was 80 years old. So it was, a, it was the last third of his life where he was really the most productive. Um, the latter years don't have to be the down years. And they weren't with Moses. Uh, in fact, they, again, they were the most productive years of his life. And those 80 years that he spent in Egypt were just getting him ready for that. But when... Moses was approached by God, he didn't immediately say yes. And I think most of us can probably relate to that. I'm, I remember when God called me to the ministry. Uh, I knew that he called me to the ministry long before I surrendered to the call to the ministry. And it's, and it's not just those, those big events in life. Uh, you know, I, re I remember a, an apology that, that God laid upon my heart and to, to, to make. And I argued with him about how it should be done and, and, and so forth and put it off and put it off and put it off. And I struggled with that thing for a year and a half. Um, th that's, that's, you know, that, that's, that's foolish, really. I look back at it. I should have just said yes to God and, and taken care of it. But, but the truth is, is that oftentimes we resist God's will. And, and Moses did that. And, and you find that in, in, uh, in the book of Exodus. It explains how he resisted. Look with me in, in verse 11. This is Moses' response to God's calling. He says, And Moses said unto God, Who am I, that I should go unto Pharaoh, 
and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. He said, listen, I, I'm nobody. I, I don't have ability. I don't have anything. I, 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 I'm not any great leader. Uh, what in the world are you calling me for? Then you drop down to verse 13. It says, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? In other words, he's, he's saying, listen, you know, you're calling me, but I don't have a message. I don't know what to say. I don't know, know when to say it or, or, or what, what. If they ask me questions, I won't have answers for them. And then you go to chapter 4, and this thing continues. Go to chapter 4 and verse 1. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And that that ability here here's the here's the 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 fact of the matter anyone that god asks to do anything for him is not worthy of the calling okay uh god asks you to teach the Sunday school class god asks you to give a testimony god asks you to witness to somebody uh, you say well i i can't do it you're right in your own strength and in your own flesh you can't do any of that stuff uh, and, and the truth is, none of us is worthy. By the way, that, that really is a good thing to, to know and a good thing to remember. Don't ever forget that, that God is the one who, who has all the power and all the authority and can give you the ability. Um, Paul said it in, in uh, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Uh, you don't do it in your, in your own strength. You don't do it in your own flesh. But here's the, here's the bottom line problem that he had. Look down at verse 13. Chapter 4 and verse 13. And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. In other words, what, he, what he's basically saying is, I'm not willing to go, but you go ahead and call somebody else. And you send whoever else you want to send. And at that point, God got angry at him down in verse 14. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Um, 
you know, he, he, his problem was he did not have a desire to obey God. He was resisting God and telling God no. And over in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13, it says, For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Doesn't say of our good pleasure. Uh, quite frankly, I don't, think, I don't think God really cared what Moses wanted to do. Um, he knew what he had to have done, and he knew that, that, uh, that the, the, uh, the, the person that he wanted to do it through was Moses. So finally, Moses agrees, and, and uh, he, he, he says, all right, I, I will be your messenger, I'll be your leader, I'll be the one that will, will go in and lead the people uh, out of Egypt. And of course, it was a process, because when he went to Pharaoh the first time, of course, Pharaoh told him, no, we'll look at that in just a moment. But um, uh, it was a process getting them out. Of course, the, the plagues hit and so forth. But, um, but eventually they left because, because Moses decided to be obedient to God. And that's the bottom line. Now, when, when he decided to obey God, made a decision to follow him, then some things began to happen. And what I want to preach to you tonight on is what to expect when you obey God. When you, when you do say yes to God after the struggles and after the surrender and all that kind of stuff, and you finally say yes, what can you expect to happen after that? We're going to look at just some simple things that happened to Moses that I believe happens to us also too when, when we say yes to God. First thing is that expect opposition. And he got it. He got it from Pharaoh. Of course, when he walked in and he said, let my people go, Pharaoh did not say, oh, oh, sure, absolutely. What would you like? Uh, <laughs> just the opposite. He opposed him on that thing and expect opposition from Satan. Don't be surprised that you're going to get opposed on your decision. Listen, the, the devil, once a person trusts Jesus Christ as Savior, they realize that they're a sinner on their way to hell the only way they can go to heaven is by putting all their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and him alone, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. We call out to him, ask him to give us mercy, and that moment that we believe and trust on him, he gives us the gift of eternal life. From that point on, Satan cannot touch your soul. You are eternally secure in Christ has nothing to do with you, has everything to do with Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, <laughs> you know, praise the Lord for that. That's a good thing, okay? But he can't get your soul. But can I tell you something? He can get your service. He can get your attitude. He can get your testimony. He can get your joy. He can get your peace. He can get your family. Uh, there's all kinds of things that he can get. And so to think that he's just going to sit back on his hands and do nothing uh, is, is really a false assumption. And so when he went to Pharaoh, there were several times that he went to him and four different times Pharaoh offered a compromise, finally offered a compromise. And, and of course, the first time he just said outright no. But, but then uh, he starts to give, give uh, ways that he'll let them go, but he'll let them go with restrictions. In chapter 8 and verse 25, he says, okay, go ahead and worship God, but stay here. 
Well, that isn't what God told him to do. Told him to leave Egypt to worship him. So that was a no. Uh, second one was go, but not too far. Well, God wanted him to go into the wilderness. And so uh, that was a no. And again, in each of these cases, he said, all right, you can obey God, but on my terms. You can obey God, but not totally, partially. Understand that it, um, partial obedience is disobedience. If we don't obey God totally, we're disobedient. And, and uh, he continually tried to get him to compromise. In uh, chapter 10, verse 10, he said, he said, go, but don't take your children with you. And he did it under the guise of safety. Does that kind of sound familiar to you? You know, safety being the reason not to serve God or go to church. We need to close the churches down and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's going on today. This book is a relevant book. Uh, he said, listen, I don't want you to take the kids because they could be endangered in the wilderness. And God wanted them to take everyone, all, all of Israel. And then the, the fourth compromise he offered to him was go, but leave your flocks in your herds. Uh, and, and so finally it, 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 it came down to, no, we just want to leave and we want to worship God as God would have us to do. But just understand that whenever you decide to do something right, honestly, um, you know, when I, after I got saved, I, I thought everyone else would be excited that I got saved. Boy, was I surprised, <laughs> you know? I was surprised by my friends. I was surprised by my family. Uh, the truth of the matter is, is that any time, whether it be at salvation or after that, the individual decisions you make, not every, and I'm not saying that everybody's going to be against you on every decision. That's not, that's not it at all. But you are going to get some opposition. So expect it. The second thing is expect that God will oftentimes, and it doesn't always happen this way, but it oftentimes happens this way, things will get worse before they'll get better. Things will get worse before they get better. Um, we think... Well, if I obey God, then I'll instantly, I mean, the heavens will open, the, the, uh, the blessing basket will be tipped, and I'll be flooded with, you know, with, with all the goodies from God, <laughs> you know. Uh, that's, that's not the case. Uh, sometimes, and oftentimes, when we go ahead and we make a decision for, for, for the Lord in this, this is why one of the things I, I warn folks, particularly after special meetings, when we've, when we've had a concentrated amount of preaching, and uh, whether it be special meetings, whether it be kids at youth camp, uh, whether it be VBS, whatever it might be, you've got a concentrated time. Folks make some serious decisions for God, and they don't expect the opposition they don't expect the trouble and they also don't they expect things to get better but sometimes and oftentimes things get worse um go with me to chapter five chapter five and look with me in the first first nine verses when moses is going to pharaoh and appealing it says afterwards moses and aaron went in and told pharaoh Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice 
to let Israel go. And I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. Understand this too, that no matter how much you explain it, um, people that are not saved will not understand your decisions for God. Uh, you try to explain those things to them, the thing that they need to get more than anything else is that they need to trust Jesus Christ as Savior. But as far as understanding uh, the decisions that you make, they're not going to get it. Verse 3, it says, And they, and they said, The God of the, the Hebrews hath met with us. Let us go, we pray thee, three days' journey into the desert, and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. And the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works? Get you unto your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and ye make them rest from their burdens. And Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, Ye shall no more give the people straw to make brick, as heretofore. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And the tale of the bricks which they did make heretofore, ye shall lay upon them. Ye shall not diminish aught thereof, for they be idle. Therefore they cry, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let their, let their more work be laid upon the men, that they may labor therein, and let them not regard vain words so when Moses and Aaron came to him and said let my people go and they obeyed God they did exactly what God told them to do they Pharaoh looked at that thing and said you're trying to get people off the hook evidently they've got some idle time so we're going to let them gather their own straw instead of gathering a form we're going to give them more work not less and so things got got worse for the Israelites not better. And things things, things uh, got harder, not easier. Um, and the other thing that, that sometimes we forget about, there were 10 plagues that were, that were sent to, to Israel or to, to Egypt. And not only did, uh, did it affect the Egyptians, but understand is, Israel was living there. So particularly with the first three, when the water turned to blood, okay, their water turned to blood. Uh, when, the, when the frogs came into the land, okay, and then they piled them up afterwards and they stunk. You know, uh, the Israelites didn't have, have an immunity to the stench. They smelled it. They had to put up with all that stuff. When the, when the lice came, the Bible says it came throughout all the land of Egypt, all the land of Egypt. So uh, here Moses and Aaron are doing what God wants them to do, and Israel is suffering for it. Sometimes things get worse before they get better. Um, you look at you look at Elijah. Elijah went to Ahab and said, "I'm going to pray, and for three and a half years there'll be, you know, there'll be no rain." There just won't be any because of the sin of Israel, because sin particularly of Ahab. And uh, then God took him, took him into a place where he fed him with by, by ravens, came in and gave him food morning and evening. But then he was by a brook and he got water at the brook. But guess what happened eventually? <laughs> the brook dried up. Why did the brook dry up? 
because of Elijah's obedience, because of Elijah's prayers. Uh, and, and oftentimes you'll find that that's what will happen. Um, the, um, you, you go into the book of Judges and you find that in Judges, there's a, a group of Benjamites that violate uh, a Levite's concubine. And, uh, and Benjamin refuses to punish those that are guilty and just kind of wants to sweep the whole thing under the rug. Well, God tells the, Israel, the Israelites, the other tribes, to go, go and fight against the tribe of Benjamin. Well, they do. And the first time they go, they get defeated, and they get defeated severely. Then they go to God and they said, well, should we go again? And God says, yes, you should go again. Now again, the first time they obeyed God, they got defeated. The second time they obeyed God, they got defeated again. And then the third time, they really got serious with God and they cried out to him for mercy. They fasted, they rent their clothes. Uh, they, they, um, they just really got uh, serious with God. And uh, God said, okay, go the third time. The third time they went in, and they, they defeated them. Now, in that whole scenario of things, Israel lost 40,000 men. Benjamin lost 25,000 men. Um, now, did they finally get accomplished what God wanted them to accomplish? Yes, they did. But uh, it, before it got better, before they got the victory, uh, they, they lost a couple of battles before they, before they actually won the war. And I believe one of the reasons why God does that is, and he allows those kind of things to happen, is he's testing your decision. Did you really mean it? Uh, are, you, are you going to do what's right regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the kickback? Sometimes, honestly, sometimes I think we get this mentality or we get this, this thinking that I'll, I'll do, God, do right for God because God will bless. Well, let me ask you something. What if he doesn't bless like you think he should? You still going to do right? What, in fact, what if, what if you go ahead and you do what God has specifically told you to do and you're obedient to him and spiritually and, and maybe, even, maybe even physically uh, or as far as a... Uh, material or physical repercussions, you get beat up a little bit along the way. I don't mean literally somebody beats on you, but but that that even could happen too. And with the Israelites, that's exactly what happened. They got beat up the first two times. And yet the third time they said, okay, we'll still go again because that's what God wants us to do. Um, God will, will test your obedience and test your decision to see if it's genuine. Another thing you can expect is you can expect that others will doubt your decision and others will doubt your motive. Now understand when, when Moses and Aaron came to the children of Israel and told them what they were going to do and so forth, that they didn't just immediately get on board. Uh, go to Exodus chapter 5, and in Exodus chapter 5, look in verses 20 and 21. Exodus 5, and verse 20, it says, And they met Moses and Aaron, who stood in the way, 
as they came forth from Pharaoh, and they said unto them, The Lord look upon you and judge, because you made our Savior savor to be aboard in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants to put a, a sword in their hand to slay us. Saying, listen, he's given us more work. He's put us at, uh, your decision has put us at enmity. Um, they, they didn't understand uh, why Moses and Aaron were doing what they were doing. Look in chapter 6, look down in verse 9. And Moses spake uh, so unto the children of Israel, but they hearkened not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. Um, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll do what God tells you to do. You'll explain things to others. And uh, others will look at you and say, yeah, but you don't understand what I have to put up with. I, I had somebody one time, um, I was trying to, trying to help him with a situation in his life. And uh, he was going through something, I'll be quite frank, I, I'd never gone through. But the Bible says that, that God is the God of all comfort. He's the God of all situations. He's the God of all circumstances. I don't have to go through everything. God will go through everything with you as a, as a Christian, as a believer, if you just trust him to, to give you the strength and the wisdom uh, and the understanding as you go through it. But I was explaining that to this fella, and the guy looked at me and says, well, you've never stood in my shoes. Well, it's true, I never have. Uh, sometimes, you know, you'll, you'll tell someone something and they'll say, well, it's easy for you to say or it's easy for you to do. Uh, they, won't, they won't really understand. Uh, I remember explaining to my dad uh, the, the, the next morning, I got saved in, in the evening of February 20th, well, actually the early, early morning of February 20th, one o'clock, and uh, came home, got up the next morning, uh, got my dad before he went to work and, and uh, explained to him what happened to me and how I got saved. And he, he just, he couldn't grasp it. Uh, he had been brought up in a very religious home. In fact, he was actually, he was offended uh, when I asked him, I said, Dad, if you're to die, you know, do you know for sure that your sins are forgiven? Do you know? And I, hadn't, I, you know, I didn't know Bible verses. He looked at me and he was right. I mean, he was right about what he said. He said, son, he says, I know more Bible than you'll ever remember. And uh, he, he quoted some verses to me and about knocked me off my feet. Uh, and he quoted King James Bible. He had a Bible. And he, he, would, he was brought up in a, in a, in a church where his, his dad was one of the elders of the church. And I found a lot of that stuff out later. But just understand that, that other people are not uh, going to necessarily understand the decisions that you make. Don't ever forget this. God gave you the wisdom. God gave you the insight. God put the conviction on your heart to make a decision for him. He did not do the same thing for everybody else. Now, he may do that for them at another time and another place, but my point is, is that don't expect them to understand it. Just decide that whether they understand it or not, you're going to do what God would have you to do. Expect to be misunderstood. Um, when you witness to people, uh, have you ever witnessed to somebody and been totally misunderstood by your witness? I have. 
And I've had, I've had people look at me and say, well, you just think that you're better than me. Man, it's just the opposite. I might be a whole lot worse than they are, but I'm saved by his grace. I'm saved by his mercy. And that's, that's what I'm trying to, to point them to. Um, I, I remember one time talking to a guy and everything was going fine. And everything was going good until I mentioned and I said, I said, if you were to die today, I absolutely positive that you go to heaven. And up until that point, he's just as calm as can be. And he said, do you know for sure that you go to heaven to be with the Lord Jesus Christ? And as soon as I said, Lord Jesus Christ, the guy went ballistic. The guy went nuts. And uh, he says, get out of here. I don't want to talk to you. And I mean, he was, it was, it was like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He was, he was kind and, and nice. And so, but as soon as I said that name, he went nuts. Don't expect folks to understand your decision because God has, has spoken to your heart and has given you that, that uh, understanding and direction. And then the, the, the fourth thing that you can expect, and you can expect this, when you make a decision for the Lord, expect God to give you clear direction on how to carry out the decision and expect him to give you the strength to stand firm in that decision. Um, Moses said, okay, I'll go ahead and I'll, and I'll uh, uh, be your spokesperson. And so God gave him confirmation. Uh, God will encourage you along the way. I'm not saying this could be all, all uh, glass and, and uh, rough roads and sharp glass and, and uh, uh, be, be problems all the way. But, I, but, I, but along with those problems, God will also give you some confirmation. He, he told him this. He said, take your rod. He had a wooden staff. He said, take your rod and throw it down on the ground. He threw it down on the ground. It turned into a snake. And, you know, that obviously that startled him. He said, now go pick it up. And he picked it up. And uh, then when he confronted Pharaoh, he, he told him to, to do that same thing. So he threw it down. It turned into a snake. The magicians had, had rods, and they threw their rods down, and they turned into snakes too. Now, you say, oh, yeah, but you don't really believe that, you know, that was, they, they, what they had on there was a snake that was paralyzed, and they threw, no, it says that they had rods. It says that they threw them down. Understand, the devil's got power too, <laughs> okay? But, but the great thing is, is that Moses' rod ate up the other three. I've always wondered, though, does that mean it was three or four times bigger when he picked it back up? I don't know. But, uh, but regardless, uh, you know, God gave him some confirmation. He said, uh, he said, take your hand, your right hand, and stick it into your bosom. He stuck it in like that. He said, now pull it out. He pulled it out, and it was all leprous, white as snow. It says it, it, he had leprosy on his hand. Now he says, now take that hand, stick it back in again. He stuck it back in again. And he pulled it back out, and it was just as, as all cleared up. There was no leprosy on it at all. Again, God gave him some encouragement. God gave him some, some confirmation. And when he was supposed to finally uh, pack, pack his act with the people of Israel and leave after the 10th plague, God made it so abundantly clear. Uh, the timing was set for him. Had he left 
before that 10th plague or before, before the 10th plague had been done with the, uh, with the death angel passing over the homes and killing the firstborn. If he'd left before that, he'd have left too soon. He'd have been disobedient. He needed to have the right timing on the thing. And God gave him the right timing. In fact, to the point where <coughs> he told the people to go borrow their silver and their gold and their raiment. Well, you know, that borrow, uh, borrowing of the silver, gold, and raiment ended up being a, uh, a, a lifetime lease, okay? Uh, and they didn't pay a thing for it uh, because they ended up taking all that into the wilderness. But, uh, but all along the way, God, God just gave him confirmation that he was doing the right thing, and he encouraged him. And one of the ways he encouraged him was giving him giving him Aaron to, to, to go with him. And uh, he, he reminded Moses of some things. In chapter 6 and verses 1 through 8, he reminded Moses of his name, of his covenant, of his concern and his care for Israel, and of his promises. And uh, seven different times, he says in verses 6 through 8, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. Um, as you're going through that, that those, those things, you may have some rough stops along the way as you're fulfilling that decision that God, in fact, I'll guarantee you, you will. Um, but God will give you some, some help. He'll give you some promises. He'll give you some, some blessings along the way and some confirmation. And the last thing that you can expect is that God will be strong on your behalf. You do right. And God will give you strength, and he'll, he'll, he'll be strong for you. God never calls you to do something. God never expects you to make a surrender without enabling you to do it and without enabling you to fulfill it. Uh, God, gave him, God gave him miracles. God, God uh, sent the plagues. He delivered Israel from Egypt when... They went through the Red Sea, and they went through on dry ground, and then Pharaoh and his armies got halfway in, and God brought the, brought the Red Sea back together again, drowned them all, protected them. Now, there was a time when they went up against the Red Sea, and, and the Pharaoh's armies were right behind them, that they, they thought that they were going to perish. And they, they even said that to Moses. They said, well, you bring us out here to perish. God, God says, no, no, I haven't done that. He says, just lift up your rod. He lifted up his rod. The, the Red Sea parted uh, again. Uh, that was God who did all that. He made it possible for Moses to, to go through with the decision that he made. Just like God did that for Moses, God will do that for you. You know, expect some problems. Expect opposition. Expect people not to understand, but also expect that God will give you clear direction. And God will give you the strength that you need to get the job done. Again, uh, the verse says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I'm saying that because, you know, we're, I don't know, we're three or four days uh, past the meetings. And whether it's meetings or, or whatever it might be, you know, in your own personal, personal devotions or in church services, uh, regular church services, you, you make decisions. And, and that's part of the Christian life. 
Uh, when you stop making decisions for God, there's something wrong. <laughs> okay? When you stop changing, when you stop growing, then there's something wrong. That's all part of the process. But when, when that happens, you can expect some negative things to happen when, when you make those decisions. But you can also expect God to be strong in your behalf. You can also expect God to encourage you and God to give you the strength to see through the thing that he's asked you to do. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I'm so thankful that I serve a God who delights in encouragement. I'm thankful that I serve a God who delights in giving us the strength to do what we can't do by ourselves. You also delight at times to put us in pickles and put us in, in difficult situations so that, like the psalmist did so many times, they cry out for mercy and ask for your help. And every time you came to their rescue, you, you gave them the help and the strength that they needed, and you either rescued them from the situation or took them through with your strength and your power. God, you're, you're doing the same things today, and we just need to trust you. Lord, there may be someone here this, this evening who is still fighting you on a decision that uh, maybe you spoke to them about this last week. Maybe it's been weeks. Maybe it's been months. Lord, I pray that tonight would be the night they'd say, you know, I know there'll be difficulties. I know there'll be struggles. But I also know that I'll have a God that'll see me through. And he'll be strong on my behalf. I, I, I marvel at that concept. Every time I speak on it, Lord, because we're talking about the God of the universe standing up for us. Who in the world are we? We're nobody. But yet you do that for us because you love us, because you know that we're but dust. You realize how weak we are. You realize how frail we are. And yet you'll give us the strength to do that which is right. And you'll give us confirmation along the way. And you'll give us wisdom and instruction and guidance. God, please speak to hearts tonight. Again, there might be someone struggling. I pray that today would be the night of their surrender, of the thing that they're, they're saying, previously said no to you on. And then, Lord, there's others that have made decisions, and maybe they're wobbling a little bit. God, give them strength. Help them to understand tonight that they have a God who's for them who's with them. You said you'd never leave us. Once we trusted you as Savior, you'd never forsake us. So God bless in this invitation and may decisions be made for you. Uh, may, may folks decide to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. Let's stand if you will.